Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Krenitsya, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and noteworthy Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. This episode is produced for The Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that's been covering the Ukrainian community around the world since 1933. Our guest for this episode is Dora Khomyak, who is the president of an organization that's been involved in providing supplies for humanitarian relief for Ukraine and also fundraising and other activities, which we're going to find out about today. Welcome, Dora. How are you? Good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm a longtime subscriber and even longer time reader of the Ukrainian Weekly, so I'm glad to be here. That's great. That's great. And thanks so much for joining us today. So to start off with, can we get some background about your education, your professional career, and most importantly, your Ukrainian roots? Sure. Uh, So I was born in New York City to parents, both of whom had were born in what is now Ukraine. They arrived in North America as displaced persons in the late 1940s. And I grew up, I was lucky enough to grow up uh, outside of Washington, D.C. in a three-generation household. So in addition to my sister and my parents, my mom's parents lived with us. So Baba and Guido, Guido, who was born in 1890, (laughs) and Baba in 1900, no, 1910, a big age difference. Uh, But I was raised by, in a Ukrainian-speaking home going to Ukrainian school every Saturday and Plast Scouts and all that. Uh, For college, I came up north and went to Princeton. And then right after graduation, I worked in Ukraine for several years for the Soros Foundations. And then I returned to New York, uh, got my MBA at Columbia and went and did the corporate America thing for about a dozen years. After that, went out on my own and did consulting and working with a lot of startups. And, um, and then I joined the Razum board as a volunteer a few months after its founding during Maidan. Uh, so I joined in the spring of 2014 and I uh, took on the role of president in April of 2020, just at the start of the pandemic. So what is Razum? You just mentioned the fact that it was formed during the period of Maidan in 2014. But what is the organization? You know, when was it established? Why was it established? Where is it based? And how many members do you have? Razom is a network of individuals in Ukraine, in the United States, and scattered around the world. Um, we Razom is also a network of partner organizations, partner nonprofits in Ukraine, and and we're an accelerator. So we're a platform that brings together people to do projects that build a more prosperous Ukraine. So Razum, that's sort of what Razum is from a people perspective. From a legal perspective, we are a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization in the United States. We are also a registered nonprofit in Ukraine called Razum La Ukraine. And we came, we were formed in January of 2014, structurally, legally, uh, 
by a group of individuals who met each other during Maidan. So as a way to support the Maidan revolution of dignity in Kyiv and throughout Ukraine, uh, people came together and started raising money for things like blankets and generators and things like that to support uh, support people who were calling for Ukraine's continued integration into the global economy and, and closer integration into Europe and, and all the things that the Revolution of Dignity stands for. Um, and since then, uh, Razum has been a kind of platform where individual people and organizations come together to do specific projects. So in the past eight years of existence, we've done a wide variety of projects. They've all had one common thread, and that is Ukraine. It's all been about building a more prosperous Ukraine, but it's been very diverse in terms of projects around education, projects about culture, uh, projects about civic engagement. And so the, the format and the categories are broad, but the unifying thread is Ukraine and a prosperous Ukraine. So since we came out of an emergency response, we've always had an emergency response fund open. And so in the past, what is it, 47 days? Where are we now? Since 49. February 20, 49 days, we have, uh, our priority has been to launch or reopen our emergency response fund and to convert uh, cash into useful supplies into the right hands of people in Ukraine. So I guess I first met you and met Razum oh early 2017 when you when the focus at that time, or at least one of the projects, was Ukrainian startups, IT, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Being smart have, now. Yeah, have you kind of pivoted away from that? And is your primary focus right now on uh, humanitarian relief for Ukraine, given what's happening in Ukraine in the war? Well, in the past 49 days, our focus has been that, but we continue, well, we continue to do sort of on the back burner, but to, to do these projects that unlock the potential of Ukraine, like the startups that you mentioned. Um, we ran um, IT related meetups and activities for about a year and a half uh, where we helped uh, startups from Ukraine polish their investment pitches when they when they come to to New York and so almost like to build a prosperous Ukraine right now the focus is literally on stopping the bleeding right you got to keep people alive you got to keep the brains intact and you got to keep the hearts and lungs functioning and so that's our focus right now we're delivering medical aid we're delivering tourniquets over 115,000 tourniquets we've already put into the hands of the right people in Ukraine um, we've got blood clotters first aid kits things like that we're evacuating people into safety but it's all with the same goal of so right now we got to just secure, sort of secure the lives of people to do what we've always been about which is building this this country uh, that has a lot to offer to the world and has offered a lot to the world. And, and the most active volunteers of Razum, we don't have a, a, a membership roster per se, so I can't answer your question about how many, but you know, the most active volunteers of, of Razum are the people in Ukraine and in the United States and around the world who have been doing this for three decades or more. So people who have been building Ukraine as a sovereign democracy for decades are the people who are active in the Razum. So 
you know, hundreds of active volunteers. We now have well over 100,000 donors and volunteers. And that's just since February 24th, we've really expanded the number of people who are involved in our community and who have been immensely generous in contributing funds that we've been able to very quickly turn into aid. So as of two days ago, we had spent and delivered over $12 million of aid into Ukraine. Um, so that's just from February 24th to April 11th. And we've been able to operate at such speed and such scale because we are it is we have this network of trusted individuals and trusted organizations who are committed to building Ukraine and who have been doing it for years. You know, we've been doing it for eight years. And it's people and organizations that are committed to doing what needs to be done now and continuing to do what needs to be done to develop Ukraine. So everyone's very motivated to make this work. So how has Razum been so successful in reaching this group of 100,000 donors? You know, what kind of a program do you have out there to connect? You know, our program is eight years of tangible results. So eight years of project by project. You know, we like to say that we're building a prosperous Ukraine one project at a time. You know, it's, it, it's the result of, I think it's the result of eight years of doing things like the tech startup work that you mentioned, doing things like the co-pilot project where neurosurgeons collaborate on, on, on developing their skills. It's working with, you know, we, during COVID, we created a whole program for veterans, military veterans in Ukraine to reintegrate into civilian life by learning software engineering skills. And it's called the Veteranius Project. And we coupled that with English language training and with mental health support. And you know, we classes, pe people who have gone through boot camps and are now, in, well, until the invasion accelerated, were people who were employed in software companies coming out of that. So and we existed online. We had a, a very, we've had a, a consistent presence online. The organization itself came together on Facebook. We have a large community on Instagram. We document um, on, our, on our website what we've been doing. And so I think when people started looking for what can they do to help Ukraine, what's a, what's a, what's a way to get funds converted into goods as quickly as possible, I'd like to think that they saw what we've been doing for the past eight years. And it's just an immense vote of confidence that these 100,000 individuals stepped up and reached into their pockets and have decided to support Ukraine. And, and I, we welcome all of that and, and through other organizations as well. Dora, we're almost out of time, but I did want to ask you one final question. What have been the logistical challenges in trying to get humanitarian aid to Ukraine at this time? You have another 15 hours. <laughs> you know, it's it was it's been it's been tricky, but we've been able to overcome them in two ways. One, we have amazing people who are dedicated, who are who, who are problem solvers. But two, and this is the way Razum has always been working, we work in an iterative way. 
So our first aid, I think, arrived in Ukraine within 48 hours of the tanks rolling in. And it was just two suitcases, but that was kind of the first path. And then we learned some things and we adjusted and we scaled up. And then we learned some more things and we scaled up. And very early on, um, we developed a terrific partnership with NIST America, which has been very generous. And, um, and I would put in a plug that they have a separate fund to support all of the work that this um, shipping company is doing. NIST America, I would definitely encourage people to contribute directly to them. We have links to, to where to donate for, for their work online. But there have been challenges in terms of building up a whole procurement, delivery, and distribution supply chain that have spanned the gamut from straight up trying to figure out how this thing works, uh, finding the right people who are smart about how to do it, all the way through to shifting regulations at the borders and things like that, uh, to say nothing of the fact that since Putin is shelling roads and civilians, you know, having to decide how do we distribute things, you know, that shifts day to day. But through this iterative process, through the amazing talents of, of this network of, of, of individuals, we've built our own piece of software that makes it easier for us to track things from beginning to end. And we're always adjusting that software. And I'm happy to say it's being written by engineers in Ukraine you know, when they have internet access and their bomb shelters, but we have a, so we have a, we have a system that allows us to efficiently keep track of what, what's coming from where and what's gone where and things like that. So there have been many, many challenges. And, you know, when Ukraine's sovereignty is clear, there will be a lot of time to tell a lot of stories and a lot of business school case studies on how you, how you build up a supply chain that's can, execute at this level of efficiency this quickly. Sure, there'll be a book in there somewhere in the future. I hope so. <laughs> Dora, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Krenitsia. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you have this series and I'm honored to have the chance to talk. I look forward to continuing the conversation another time. Great. I have been speaking with Dora Homiak, who is the president of an organization called Razum, which has been very active in sending supplies for humanitarian relief to Ukraine during the Russia-Ukraine war, which is now in its 49th day. And this episode has been produced for Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that has been published continuously in English in the U.S. for the Ukrainian global community since 1933. I'm Mike Burek, your host and producer of Kudinitsya. And until next time, that's all for now.